As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Football League show. Mark Hughes to Bradford. I'm as shocked as you, listener. Elsewhere, Grant McCann is in at Peterborough. Derek Adams returns to Morecambe. Kenny Jacket and Keith Millen get wished the best in their future endeavours. We'll chat through all that, the midweek games, and look ahead to the weekend's action on this Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome in then. As ever, plenty to get through. So without much further ado, let's meet our experts. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams today, are the one and only Adrian Clark. Hello, Matthew. And it's a debut for the former Peterborough, Hull City, Bradford and more striker, Aaron McLean. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? Brilliant, but busy because so much has happened, not least. Mark Hughes is back in football and he's heading to League Two side Bradford. Uh, Yes, just to repeat that, Mark Hughes is the new manager of Bradford. Mark Hughes being named the manager of Bradford City, uh, a deal until the summer of 2024. Aaron, it's a a club you know well, of course, having played for Bradford, but, but are you as shocked as I am at this appointment? Yeah, definitely. I was definitely surprised when I um, when I woke up and saw saw this appointment. Um, listen, Bradford's a huge club, a club that really needs to be making progress and getting getting itself back near the near the top divisions. And it's a strange appointment in bringing Mark Hughes, who hasn't you know he hasn't managed for for I think it's over three years now. So for him to come out of I'm sure he wasn't in retirement, but for for them to appoint him was definitely a. It's definitely left field, but he's a manager that's managed at the highest level. He's got that experience, and and I'm sure that given that opportunity, he'll he'll relish it to, to try and get them back to to where they feel they belong. His last game as a manager was for Southampton against Manchester United. Um, Adrian, we asked on Monday if Paul Lintz had been out of the game too long to, to really be effective at Reading. I don't think that quite applies to Hughes, but but I would put to you that he might not possess the knowledge on League Two necessary. I don't think that's unfair to suggest it. He's managed in the Premier League exclusively, hasn't he? 446 games in the top flight, not, not managed outside of it. So and certainly not at this level. 
So you have to lean on the people at the club already, won't he, for, for information, I think. Obviously, all football people keep their eyes across across the divisions. They look look for good players, etc., etc. But he'll need help for sure. And I tell you what, he's not coming into in at the right time. I've, I've looked at the fixtures for, for Bradford. You've only got three games left against teams in the bottom half. Everyone else is is pretty much going for a promotion. So he's not not got an easy ride between now and the end of the season. He's got a good deal, two and a half years, hasn't he? It feels long at Bradford. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had eight eight permanent gaffers in four seasons. So so he might get himself a payout uh, sometime soon. But um, but look, it's good luck to him. He's got pedigree. He's a, he's a, he's clearly you know been a good manager, and and it, it will be seen as a bit of a coup. For Bradford City, it is that the concern for me is: does he have the knowledge of the league of the players that he's going to be working with? Well, it's he's just going to have to learn very fast, isn't he, on the job? Observing training today, Thursday. Uh, apparently, according to Bradford, he'll take his first session tomorrow. They host Mansfield on Saturday. Uh, now then, <sighs> the reason that producer Abby has been nominated for so many awards is that she knows exactly how to book the right guest at the right time. So we've got Aaron on, on the day that Bradford get a new manager and the day that the club that you're probably most associated with, Aaron, also announced Grant McCann is the new Peterborough United manager. Uh, did you cross over with him a bit at your time at Posh? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with Grant. I played with him for a couple of years. And then when I went back as, I actually went back from Bradford to Peterborough on loan and then ended up going into a coaching, almost a player coach position while still on loan from Bradford. It's a really strange mixture. But yeah, myself and Grant was was assisting Dave Robertson when, when Darren Ferguson got sacked the second time, I believe. So yeah, I've spent a lot of time with Grant. When I started my coaching, I went in at, at Doncaster and spent spent a week down there with him, just shadowing and, and seeing how he does things. So I'm definitely not surprised to see this appointment. He still lives in Peterborough. He's got a great relationship with the, the owner, Darren McCantony. And he's proven, he's proven that he's got the ability to go and, and manage a, a team and, and be successful. You know, winning the winning League One last, last season with Hull City proved that he has all the credentials to be a very good manager. And I think it's a really, really good fit for, for Peterborough at the moment. It's a, it's a brilliant appointment, Clark, isn't it? You know, we were touting him for the for the Sunderland job. Even if he can't keep them up and they're, they're eight points from safety, albeit with a game in hand, that they'd be well set to make a, a push for promotion from League One next season with McCann in charge. Exactly. I don't think anybody expects the posh to survive this season. So he's kind of got a free hit. And if he pulls off some kind of miracle... He'll be a hero forever, but but they've got themselves a really good manager to help the, get them back into the championship. Yeah, I, I really like him. I I liked the work that he was doing at Hull. It was it was really harsh the way that they they changed managers there. Obviously, with the with the changing ownership, they felt they wanted their own man playing them on no Saturday, reflect- Clarkey. That's who's coming to oh, London oh, Road oh. in the first game. I mean, revenge is going to be in the air, isn't it? I would. I, oh. <laughs> I would have to fancy Peterborough to beat Hull. I mean, Hull, Hull are in a bit of a mess. I think we'll get to them later, but you'd have to fancy him to get off to a, a very sweet winning start because Peterborough did okay at Fulham, didn't they? They're, they're quite respectable. They've certainly improved at the back of late. And and one other little combination 
that, that might just click now is McCann and Jack Marriott. The season that he had, I believe, where he was just banging goals in for fun for Peterborough United, I think he got 33, didn't he, in one season, was yeah. under the management of Grant McCann. And, and it makes a difference, doesn't it, Aaron, working with a gaffer that you know likes you, that you, you like his style of play. It, it, it just feels a bit cosy. It feels nice and comfy. Ooh. You wonder whether this might be the kickstart for, for Jack between now and the end of the season. Him and Callum Morton, I think, are in a position where they can definitely challenge Clark Harris for that, that sort of first-choice striker role now. Yeah, I definitely think that the way a manager sets up and the way, you know, if you as a striker, you want to be loved by your managers. You know, that is... That's huge because they breed confidence into you and then you feel like you go out on the pitch and every time you go out, you're going to go and score. So for Jack, it, I think it's perfect. I think it's the perfect appointment for Jack because he's had a really tough few years and then he's he's joined Peterborough and it's, you know, injuries are setting back and it just, things just haven't gone the way that he would have hoped. Grant coming in, someone who he knows, someone who he's played under, someone who he's done really well for, and I'm sure Grant will be desperate to build the team to function, to get the best out of Jack. You know, I think that those two things will go hand in hand. So like I say, the appointment for me is brilliant. And it is it is almost a free hit because nobody with nobody who knows anything about football is expecting <laughs> Peterborough to get out of it now. But he's definitely the, the right man to, to get them back into the championship next season if, if that relegation does happen. Uh, quite the Thursday morning, this, before Mark Hughes, before Grant McCann, it was announced, and this is not my words, these are the words of Morecambe Football Club's Twitter admin, crown emoji, the king is back, UT, hashtag UTS and a shrimp emoji. Clarkie, without me telling you, can you decode what that message means? Is it Derek Adams? It is Derek Adams is back. <laughs> Chairman Rod Taylor, he was the manager we earmarked straight away. We knew there would be a possibility that he'd come back as we have a strong relationship with him. And after a whirlwind two days, we absolutely believe he's the right person to ensure our status in League One. Um, mm. What do you make of that then, Adrian? It was obvious. <laughs> it was so obvious, wasn't it? The moment that he left Bradford and then with Robinson... Um, effectively asking to leave for, for St Mirren. There was only one person they were going to ask first and that and that was the man that took them up last season. It's it's good that there was no grudge held over that over that move. And but but what he inherits is is a team that he doesn't recognise because within nineteen I think there were nineteen arrivals at Morecambe last summer. I think in January there might have been another six that came through the door. So it's not the team he left um, well under a year ago. It's a, it's a very different looking Morecambe side, a side that, that all signed for a different manager. So so it's it's no gimme that it's going to be, uh, you know, plain sailing and, and, it, and it, that he's going to pick up and they'll survive easily. But but yeah, he, he did do well there previously. And, and maybe the style of football that, that he... He um, brings in the sort of solid at the back, fast counter attacks. Maybe that is better suited to 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 Morecambe playing at the higher level. I think they were a little bit too open under Robinson, and and they were conceding way too many goals. So um, yeah, he he should tighten them up a bit. Aaron, will that will that be a benefit to him that there's been such a high turnover of squad because he's not 
it's not so much of an element of him turning up on the training ground this morning or tomorrow whenever he takes his first session with his tail between his legs and players looking at him saying, oh, you come crawling back then, have you? In, uh, personally, I think it would have probably been better if if he'd have gone back with with more of the players that he'd he'd been successful with because they'd have a certain level of, of respect for him for what he's done previously. I think hopefully, well, what they'll definitely be hoping is that him coming back, he knows everyone, he knows the club, he knows the staff. So that will almost create that environment that they had when they got promoted last season. And you'll almost get that bounce from the players because they are a new a new group. That new manager bounce that, that you sometimes get that can hopefully just move them, just move them out of the relegation and just start to make progress because they're not winning games. That's their that's their biggest issue. They're not winning games. If they if they're not losing, then they're only managing a draw, and and that's not enough when you're when you're sitting near the bottom of the division. They need to be making sure that they're winning games. They need to be tougher to beat, and he will definitely bring that because that's what what got them promotion in the first place. Uh, more managerial movements to talk about, listener. Uh, Keith Millen and David Holdsworth both left Carlisle earlier this week. The club firing off two club statements in the space of an hour on Tuesday. The first stated Keith Millen had left, courtesy of our old friend Mutual Consent. Uh, the second confirmed the departure of Director of Football David Holdsworth. Uh, and that is the one that I want to ask you about, Adrian, because interestingly, the club said in the statement regarding that the role of director of football will not be replaced going forward. Uh, that seems unusual to me in, in 2022. Do you think that's wise? Um, <laughs> it doesn't say much for the job that they thought he was doing, mm. does it? Um, and I know that he was deeply unpopular in the in the local community. I, I think he's had he's got strong ties with the previous with, with, with previous sponsors and and whatnot and I think yeah he's been having to justify his role for a while and and the recruitment hasn't been very good it it was a big sort of there were good players that left last summer and the players that came in were nowhere near as good and 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 for that reason I think I think he probably was always on 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 a sticky wicket And, and and with Keith Millen the appointment there he was an old mate of his, wasn't he? So not not that Keith Millen is a is a you know is a bad coach. He's he's vastly experienced, of course. But right from the get go, people were saying, "Well, you've just employed someone that you you used to know. Um, is the, is this guy really the best person for the job?" So and now they're both gone. So yeah, really really interesting. And it's just been a weird week, hasn't it? Um, of old school gaffers coming back. I mean, John Sheridan started it, I guess, didn't he? By coming back in at Oldham and. And now they're all at it. It's 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 like a who's who from from yesteryear. This time it's Paul Simpson who who hasn't been a football league manager in over a decade. Back in, um, but he's but a Carlisle, Carlisle fan, Clark. He knows the club. That's the key well, thing. We saw it with Oliver and Solskjaer. It never goes wrong when somebody knows the club. Yeah, and he, he took them up, I think, from the National League and from League Two. But you're going back like 15, 16 years. It's it's a different generation now, isn't it? So it's a random one, but he must be a good coach because he worked with the FA, the England under-20s, didn't he? It guided them to the World Cup success a few years back. So he's clearly a technically a good coach, capable of working with younger players. So let's, let's give him a try. But it's been a while since he's um, sort of operated at this level. All right, I'll say it. No jacket required. Yeah! 
everybody's done it. Kenny Jacket sacked by Leighton Orient midweek. They've really dropped off a cliff, Aaron, in terms of their form in, in 2022. I wonder what comes next for, for Kenny Jacket because his last three jobs have gone pretty badly. 39 days at Rotherham, a style of play not appreciated at Portsmouth. And now this, this was supposed to be the safe pair of hands to kind of make them a, a promotion contender in League Two, but it's just not worked out at all, has it? Yeah, it hasn't. And I'm, I'm surprised if I'm honest, because when when they appointed him, I thought it was a, a masterstroke. You know, I, I was sure that he was the man that was going to help to get Orient back into into League League One and and kind of make progress. It just hasn't happened, especially this year. You know, they've not won a game since the turn of the year. And and they're just dropping further and further down closer to that relegation zone. I don't think that they're they're gonna be in danger of of going down because there's there's a lot worse teams than Denorian. But in terms of progress, they just really haven't made any and and like I say, the turn of the year they, they seem to be just moonwalking towards the the lower end of the division and and that's definitely not what Kenny Jacket was was brought in for. Confidence just went, didn't it? It just, it just fell off a cliff. They were really good earlier in the season, and you think back: Harry Smith and Aaron Dreenan flying, but the goals dried up, didn't they? I think they had they were using Tom James, weren't they, as a wing back, and mm-hmm. Archibald, I think, on the other side, and James got injured long term, and it just. It impacted the whole balance of that team. So they shifted some players around and they don't have wing-backs at the moment and it's just, yeah, not worked. Eight blanks in nine games. I mean, I've played in some bad teams, Aaron, but like, I don't know if I've gone, you know, eight, eight matches out of nine where your team hasn't scored. That must be, that must just drive you nuts. You must be going into games feeling like... You, you, yeah, fear yeah, the most worst. definitely. Yeah. Because because the thing is, it's it's not like they're keeping clean sheets. You know, if they're a team that that keep a lot of clean sheets, then you say, all right, do you know what? We can we can keep it tight, and then eventually the tide will turn, and we'll, and we'll be able to nick one. But when you get to three, four, five games where you're not scoring and you just keep losing, you keep conceding, then you're going into the next game. You concede a goal, and it's, you're almost beaten before you know before the final whistle you know that the chances are you're not going to score a goal. And then you know that you've more or less lost the game. So like you said, the confidence within that that group is is on the floor at the moment. They need to find a way to, I think, first of all, they need to start keeping clean sheets, start keeping that, that back door locked. And then they can start to to build in the other direction. But until until they, they're stopping the goals going in, then then they're always going to be in trouble. Absolutely crazy week of managerial movements. I've just double checked. There haven't been any more in in the last ten minutes or so. But listen, you'll have to forgive us if we miss some uh, between now and when you hear this. It's been that kind of week. Okay, next we'll reflect on the midweek action in the EFL. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line and ahead of the League Cup final, we're speaking to Liverpool fan Chris. Yeah, I've been saying since the start of the season, you know, that the one that we really want to win this season is the League uh, <coughs> Cup. Yeah, what what was that? The League uh, Cup, yeah. The League Cup might not be top of everyone's trophy wish lists, but Paddy Power are offering a free £5 bet builder on the final this weekend. Paddy Power. Selected online bets only. Min two plus legs. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be aware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
let's start with a brief word on Fulham against Peterborough. 2-1 it finished. We've talked a lot about Peterborough already. The, the story from the game, I think, Aaron, is, is obviously Alexander Mitrovic getting his 32nd and 33rd goals of the season, a record for a championship campaign. He's beaten Ivan Tony's previous best. Fulham's goal machine scores again and breaks the record. As a striker, what, what have you made of what he's done this season? He's been outstanding. He's listen. From, he's not a he's not a championship striker. He's a he's a Premier League striker all day long, and you know to hit thirty three goals at, and at this stage, you know I I honestly think he's going to go on and surpass forty goals comfortably because he he started the season on fire and he just has not let up. He's in a team that will no doubtably be be the champions of of the championship this season. And they just play to create chances for him. They know if they get him chances, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's just, it's a perfect relationship, you know, between him and the club because his profile continues to go up and and the club continues to get success. They're a bit of a yo-yo club at the moment, but keeping him is is great business for, for Fulham most definitely. So he's a star striker who's firing. Sheffield United beat Blackburn by a goal to nil. We'll talk about Ben Brez and Diaz in a second. In terms of the game, Charlie good, uh, Charlie bad tackle, Charlie worst debut. Uh, He was sent off. Ben Davis helped him out though by winning the game in stoppage time. Oh, and Kaminsky into traffic and into traffic! after Rovers had missed a pen. Means Sheffield United stay in six, a point ahead of Borough after a ninth game unbeaten. A bad night this for, for Rovers, Adrian, exacerbating their current problems with the uh, the injury to Brereton Diaz, which is going to keep him out for Tony Mowbray. doesn't know how long, but it looks like it's going to be a significant amount of time. Yeah, and it's not just his goals. Obviously, he's a, he's a brilliant goal scorer, but his hold-up play is, is outrageously good. I didn't realise how good it was until I saw him in the flesh the other day. And it just the way he was pinging crossfield passes, you know, the runs he makes, very, very good all-round centre-forward. What they did here, they sort of had split strikers with Kadra and Gallagher sort of wide of centre with Buckley, more of a false nine. And they're all good players. Kadra was great in the game, but, but it doesn't scream goals, does it, that that front three? So, um, yeah, they've, they've got issues. The goalie was excellent. Kaminsky, I think both keepers were, were outstanding in this match. Um, wonderful penalty save, wasn't it, from Wes Fodderingham? Just racking up the clean sheets. I was looking at his save percentages because I thought he must be up there. And he is, Wes Fodderingham. Um, second only to Hull's goalkeeper, Nathan Baxter, uh, for keepers that have made over 40 saves. So, outstanding shot stopper. Star of the show in this game, though, Sander Burge. Just ridiculous, the way he was sort of powering um, forward on the sort of right of centre positions. He He's a good player, and it's taken a while, I think, for him to get back up to speed after, after being out injured. If him, Gibbs White and Sharp continue to be brilliant, they could get second. I'm not right. You, if you think about the clean sheets they're getting, you think about what those three can deliver... It wouldn't be unrealistic, in my opinion, if they snuck in uh, behind Fulham to get automatic. So, yeah, really, really exciting times for, for Sheffield United. 
I wonder if you might say the same, Aaron, about Huddersfield. Beat Cardiff 2-1 on Wednesday, scored on 88 and 90 plus 6, only two points off second place. We've been saying on the pod that we've been a bit dismissive of them as, as playoff contenders, but, but they're in the mix for automatic promotion too, aren't they? Most definitely. And, and they are, what I like about them, and I, I'd say the same about Luton as well, is they seem to have a really, really good team spirit like they, they don't have the superstars like some of the other clubs but they just seem to just work well together and really work for each other and the form that they're in at the moment they're a team that I wouldn't bet on uh, I wouldn't bet against nicking that second second place spot because that yeah they, I just really enjoy watching them they play a really good style of football they all work hard for each other and they're getting the results for it and they're probably my tip for for second place at the moment. Wow. Aaron mentions Luton there. They're only a couple of points off the playoffs after they won 2-1 at Stoke, continuing their excellent form. Uh, QPR, Adrian, have not been in excellent form, so that makes their win against Blackpool particularly significant and particularly given the fact that they had 10 men for a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they defended well and they, they didn't just sit on it, did they, Queen's Park Rangers? They, they carried on attacking and and eventually they they got themselves a, a, a vital winning goal. So yeah, no, that they kind of needed that. Their season has plateaued. I don't. It hasn't fallen away or anything like that. But their form hasn't been quite as good of late. But but yeah, considering how early Dion Sanderson got sent off on on forty, and he was an idiot, wasn't he? For for the way he got sent off, you know, just. I don't know, over over aggressive, really. You know, his hand sort of on the player and he going in for the headbutt. So yeah, no, well done because Blackpool are not easy to 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 beat. But but they they didn't just let Blackpool have the ball. They they tried to play, even though they they were a man short and they got their rewards for it in the end. Also in the promotion picture on Tuesday night, Middlesbrough beat West Brom by two goals to one. So West Brom actually scored a goal, but they did lose anyway. Uh, Danny Gabidon hitting the nail on the head on Twitter. He said, still can't believe the Baggies didn't appoint Chris Wilder as manager. The biggest no-brainer mm. faux pas I've seen in a long time. Uh, Aaron, we, we've kind of lamented West Brom in, in, in recent weeks. Can you say see any way of them getting back into the, into the promotion contention? Because they look flat as a pancake at the moment. No, I, I honestly can't see it. Beginning of the season, we're looking at West Brom as, as being one of the teams that, that could go on and win it, but they have literally fallen off a cliff and you can almost see it in games. You know, in the Middlesbrough game, you could almost, that second half, you could see the the energy just just coming out of the, the players' feet. You know, Middlesbrough were going from strength to strength and, and West Brom just had no answers for it. I don't think that, I think Steve Bruce going in there, he's almost gone in there too late because he's not able to bring in any players. The window, you know, the window's closed. He can't bring in the players that he feels that he needs to to really kick on and, and have a good go. And the players that are there at the moment just seem void of any confidence. So yeah, I can't I can't see them getting back into it. And the teams that are, are above them are are all full of confidence and, and really looking to push push those top top positions. So I think I think West Brom season's almost gonna peter out in in disappointment. Very quickly, Matt, I really enjoyed the turnaround in this game from Middlesbrough because they, they kind of were losing their way a little bit, getting frustrated, giving it away at the back. Then Wilder makes a couple of decisive substitutions 
changes it around a little bit, puts Tavernier on the left. And and from that moment on, they just went through the gears. <laughs> As Aaron said, West Brom just crumbled, really. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't handle it. And, and what I loved most about this match was the goal that got them the equaliser. It was... It was the archetypal Chris Wilder goal. You had the the wing back being slipped in by the midfielder. And then on his inside, you've got the underlapping centre-half, Paddy <laughs> McNair, to slide it home. It just, I mean, if, if Chris Wilder could could dream up his perfect goal, it's that one. So, um, yeah, well played, Borough. Right. So we've got, we've got Paul Ince at Reading. We've got Mark Hughes now at Bradford. Uh, we've got Steve Bruce at West Brom. So I don't know. Andre Kincelskis will probably get the late Norian job, <laughs> but but Paul Ince's first game on Tuesday they beat Birmingham by two goals to one. Um, Aaron, what a massive result for them because he, they desperately, desperately needed some positivity. And, and given the fact that Derby and Peterborough both lost two, all of a sudden they've got an eight point buffer between themselves and trouble. And I and I think that they're gonna have more than enough to to get out of it. I said when uh, Lucas Yao came back and and Maitai came back, they you look at their squad and they shouldn't be they shouldn't even be in this conversation. Yao has just all of a sudden just started scoring goals. You know he's he's been out injured, so it's it's been difficult for for Reading as a team. But having someone like that, he scored nineteen goals last season, and now he's come back. He's he's getting a brace in this game. He got a brace a couple of games ago. They've just got so much more. And really, if those players weren't injured, they'd probably be in and around those playoff spots, even with that six-point deduction. So Paul Lintz has inherited a, a, a squad that is far, far better than, than the position that they're in. And luckily for them, the teams that are below them are just are nowhere near it. You know, Derby are probably the best out of the bunch and, and they're having a go. But I think that, the 21 point gap is is going to be far far too big to to be able to claw back now uh, also at the bottom Barnsley getting a rare win they won 2-0 at Hull who are, who are sliding down the table Barnsley are 9 points from safety and a bit bit of a reality check for Derby on Wednesday Adrian losing at home to to Millwall yeah not not a great night for them was it with with Reading winning so but Millwall are in are in good form at the moment aren't they Millwall um, they had the game postponed as well at the weekend, so they were a little bit fresher, maybe coming into it. And yeah, it was, yeah, it, you can't sustain it. He's got a very small squad, and it, it's a big ask, isn't it, to maintain those levels? I, I still think they've got the character in the organisation to to run it close. I do, but but as Aaron said, Reading have got the players. Reading have got players that are miles better. They've got more better players than Derby County. So whether it's Ince in charge or, or somebody else, you'd, you'd have to back them to to get out of it now that they've made the change. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is hard on Derby. I can't rule them out though, because they've, they've produced miracles till this point. Uh, also, by the way, in the championship, Preston and Forest drew 0-0 and Coventry had a decent win away to Bristol City. Uh, the game that I want to have a look at in League One was at Adams Park. Adrian feared for Wickham's promotion hopes on Monday. They faltered again this week, beaten 3-1 on their own patch 
by Wickham. Aaron, what's happened to Wickham? They, they used to be so strong, particularly at home. Just just one win in their last seven at Adams Park and, and none of the last four. I know this is a, a difficult game against a top team, but but well beaten again. Yeah, and they, they look really they look really flat at the moment. I watched them against Shrewsbury um in a a epic nil nil draw. Um <laughs> and there was hardly any any efforts on goal. Vokes was missing for a little while, so him coming back I thought would give them that lift that they needed. But it didn't. It didn't. They didn't really look like scoring up until probably the eighty fifth minute when they brought Akin Femmer on and and he caused a little bit of problems for, for five minutes. But yeah, they just seem to have lost that attacking emphasis and they need to find it from somewhere. Listen, they went and scored five goals against Cheltenham, but conceded five. So that kind of sums up where they're at at the moment. It's a real inconsistent uh, performances that they're putting in at the moment. And they need to they need to get back to winning ways soon. Otherwise, they're going to find themselves out of that playoff contention and, and other teams who are in better form are, are going to take their take their place. As for Wigan, Clarkie, that that little wobble that they had in terms of their away form, which had been so good, no wins in three, they, this put that this puts that behind them and, and this backlog of games that they've got doesn't seem to be bothering them in the slightest. No, they're, they're a great away team. I think they're built to to really hurt teams on their travels. They're, they're excellent on the counter. In this game, funnily enough, they had most of the ball. So Wickham sort of sat in. I think Wickham would have been worried about Wigan's threat on the counter. So they sort of let them have it. So they had to find a different way to win. And and it didn't really happen for them until the second half. Again, Liam Richardson makes changes and they come off. Um, I think this time it was Gwion Edwards and Stephen Humphreys that, that came off the bench. I mean, I can't believe he, he left Humphreys on the bench. Having seen him in person at Rotherham last week, he was sensational. So... Yeah, it, it's just ha- having that firepower to go and change the course of a game, isn't it? And, and they did that. And, and Callum Lang, who really impressed me as well against Rotherham, was, um, yeah, he got himself another couple of goals. The reason they're going to go up is that they're not just relying on one player, are they? they they've got Lang, who, who's way into double figures. They've got Keane. They've got Humphreys, who's now in, in great form as well. Um, you know, this is all, you know, in Charlie White's absence. The weak link, funnily enough, is Josh McGuinness, who who's sort of probably in the team more for style purposes than, than for his goals. So, um, yeah, Wigan absolutely flying. They're a really top team. Uh, now then, in terms of the League Two midweek, as on Monday, some jump tipped up Walsall for the win away to, to Swindon. Final score, Swindon Town 5 <laughs> Walsall nil. Um, Aaron, if I get out my, my big book of cliches under the letter S here, I can see size of the task. Uh, that's something that Mike Flynn now has a grasp of. <laughs> yeah, I think he definitely he definitely does. And the thing is, they came into this game, they'd, they'd, won, they'd won back-to-back games and you thought, right, is this, has, it, has things changed now? And then, bang, 5-0. It's, it's tough for him. It's tough. And I don't think that he he really understands the the size of the job, or if he didn't, he he does now. But I just think that they're a team that now they just need to make sure that they're safe this season and really look at next season, look at, at where they can improve for next year because this season is is very much a write off, and I think they're going to have to make some some wholesale changes because looking through their squad, I don't think that they've got a good enough squad to 
to really even be competing in in that division, or not not to be anywhere where they'd they'd like to be anyway. Do you think Clarky Mike Mike Flynn might be thinking, oh, maybe I could have got the Bradford job or even the Morecambe job? Definitely the Bradford job because he he's a former Bradford player and yeah it sort of became available literally hours after he'd put pen to paper so yeah I think he might have slightly regretted that one but Walsall's a good a good club it's you know it, yeah I I don't think it's the worst squad available it's it's not yeah they're not stellar they'll survive I'm pretty confident of that and and yeah he's got a platform there to. To, to develop his own team moving forwards in this game. There's no shame in it, to be honest. Swindon were just ridiculous. From from what I saw, Louis Barry, great brace. I mean, he's only 18, isn't he? Davison, 22, couple of great assists. Uh, Ricky Aguiar, I wanted to give him a mention. Two fantastic goals, breaking from midfield, coming onto the ball. Excellent finishing. He's been on loan this season at Chippenham Town. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a, a lot lower. It's not, you know, it's not a terrible standard, don't get me wrong, but he's gone out on loan because he, he wasn't, you know, deemed part of the plans. He's come back because he succeeded there and he's in, straight in the team. And, um, and yeah, he put in a tremendous performance. So, yeah, Swindon, when Swindon are hot, when Swindon are on it, they're, they're kind of as good as Forest Green, but they just lack the consistency of Forest Green, which is why they're they're so far behind them. All right, that was the midweek action. We'll have a look ahead to some of the weekend standout games next. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. So, well, I was going to build this as the Aaron McLean derby, uh, Peterborough welcoming fellow strugglers <laughs> whole city. But your thunder's been stolen a bit here, Aaron, I'm afraid, yeah. by Grant McCann, because all of a sudden, this this is the must-not-miss game in the championship this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah most definitely. It's um, Listen, Grant will relish the, the opportunity to kind of throw it back in, in Hull's face. The fact in, I think it's the way that, that it was done. I, I don't think anyone was, was surprised when the new owners came in that, that they were, made a change. But Grant had done brilliant. You know, he'd gone and got back-to-back victories against, I think, Bournemouth and, and someone else. 
in it that was in the in and around the playoffs, uh, Blackburn. And then to for him to then lose his job and not be given the opportunity to to go and bring in his players and and show what a good manager he is to the new owners. I think that would have left a, a bit of a bitter bitter taste in his mouth. So he'll be relishing this game. I'm really glad that he's gone back to Peterborough because I do think that he is the perfect fit. I do think that the lads will definitely be up for this game. For him especially. You know, they'll wanna if you want to impress your new manager, go and perform against his old club. You know, there's no better game for, for everyone concerned. So this is definitely a, a game that I'll, I'll have a keen eye on. Yeah, inside knowledge is, is pretty strong here. I would imagine. Well, I was going to say is he, he doesn't even need to ask his scouts for a scouting report, does he? He'll be he'll be passing on the information to them. Exactly. Well, they're very yeah. much. No, this he's... is very much him. This is this. You know, these players are very much he's the players that he had, and I think since he's left, they've only won one game. I think the next game they went on and won, but since then they've they've not won a game. So they they won't be bouncing into this game with any kind of confidence. Not that Peterborough are, but. Peterborough are a lot better at home. You know, they're terrible away from home. But Peterborough are a really, really difficult team to play at, at London Road. And I think they'll fancy themselves. They'll fancy themselves in this game. And once you get a win, you never know where it can take you. I don't know whether or not they've got enough to get out. I strongly doubt it. But getting a win in, in, in this game and in these circumstances with a new manager will breed some com- kind of confidence into the club and and that's that's what they need right now. Massive game for Hull as well, isn't it, Adrian? If if Peterborough won it, they would reel them in. I mean, they'll feel that the gap that they've got at the moment, why is it 13 points, should be enough for them. But I'm already at the stage where I'm thinking Shotarava lads, he might not be in charge at the start of next season. What about you? It's, well, it's not gone well. Yeah, like, like Aaron said, they won the first one, but winless in the next six. Four of those games, they've drawn blanks. Not the fans aren't liking it. There's a huge crowd, wasn't there? There was the biggest crowd at the MKM against Barnsley since 2017, 16 and a half thousand. But they 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 were treated to nothing. Um, lots of long balls, not a lot of creativity. I don't think Honeyman was in the game. Lewis Potter was on the periphery. A couple of players kind of playing out of position. Uh, Deshaun Bernard sort of shifted across a little bit to to full back. Regan Slater in midfield. They had a rookie in goal. Yeah, it's not great. They got booed off. I mean, new manager, new ownership. It was supposed to be heralding in the good times again, but but they were booed off at half-time and full-time. So I'd probably be glad to get away. But this, this will tell us a lot about their character and how much they believe in the new manager or otherwise, because Peterborough will come at them. They will fly at them and do whole fancy it. Um, we're going to find out, aren't we? I, I fancy the posh here, big time. Uh, now then, those in search of a League One education ought to get themselves down to the Kassam on Saturday because it's Oxford versus Cambridge. Uh, despite the deluges of rain this week, this particular varsity classic will be played out on grass rather than water. Uh, Aaron, what, what have you made of Oxford's in recent weeks? Highest scorers in the league, up to fourth in the table, but but there's always that fear that they might be able to, they might be about to hit one of those patches that, that sees them fall down the table a bit. Yeah, I think we've, they always seem to do it. You know, they're always in and around it. The last couple of seasons, get to the playoffs and just always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They're, you know, will it be 
will it be their season? I hope so for Carl Robinson. I'd I'd love them to to go on and and get the promotion this year. But like you say, you always feel like they're just one game away from from chucking it all away again. And yeah, um, they just don't convince me. They don't convince me. But they're in good form. They're a team that's the way they play. I love the way they play. They're they're always going to score goals with Taylor up top. He's an out and out goal scorer. He's been brilliant for them. And he's got another 16 goals already this season. So if you keep feeding him, they, James Henry is a huge miss for him because he, he is their talisman. But they've definitely got the squad. They've definitely got the players with, within that dressing room to, to really go on and, and get into that, that uh, championship. But they just seem to fall short every season. And, and I hope that they don't do that again this year. What about Cambridge, Clarky? Pretty consistent. Eleven wins, eleven draws, eleven defeats. Uh, it's we've mentioned this before, haven't we? It's been it's been a, a good season for them back in League One, and of course they got the the feather in the cap of that win at Newcastle as well. So plenty of reasons for them to be cheerful. Oh, Cambridge fans have got to be delighted with how it's gone. They're, they don't look like they're going to go down. They're going to be nice and safe. Mark Bonner is is a fantastic young coach, isn't he? I think that much is clear to see. They've had five league wins in 2022 already, which is, is no mean feat. What I will say about them, the, the floor in Oxford, and I think Aaron was getting at this, is obviously at the back. They, they, they can't be relied upon to keep clean sheets. The interesting thing about Cambridge is that they almost, seem, almost always seem to score when they go away from home. 13 of 16 away games have scored. Which is great, isn't it? I think for, for for a team like Cambridge United stepping up a level, beat Plymouth in midweek, which will have helped them out. You know, boosted confidence even more. And and the other thing I, I wanted to mention is that they're doing this without Joe Ironside, who we've we've loved on this pod, haven't we? He was excellent alongside Mullin. Was brilliant earlier on in the season. He's been out for a bit. He's their leading scorer. So Sam Smith has has come in and he's a different sort of player. And, and they've had to change the tactics. Because he's not a hold-up merchant like like Ironside, they've they've had to tweak it, adjust the way they play. Yet they're still churning out pretty good results. So, yeah, well, well done, Cambridge. I think this would be a really competitive game, and it wouldn't surprise me if if Cambridge really made Oxford fight for this. Uh, the League Two game, which will have everybody's attention at the weekend, is the basement battle in Essex. It's Colchester United against Oldham Athletic. Uh, Adrian, Colchester-wise, 21st, no wins in four. Wayne Brown still interim head coach. One of those teams that will be worried by this recent Oldham revival. It's funny, isn't it? Because, yeah, it was only a few weeks ago, Wayne Brown was in caretaker charge and we were saying, oh, hasn't he done well? He's, he's lifted it. They're up, you're getting up towards mid-table. And, and and suddenly they're on a bad run. Teams around them are winning and, and they're, they're banging trouble again, aren't they? And And the mood music coming out of that part of Essex at the moment is that the chairman, Robbie Cowling is getting pelters because the, the fans are saying, well, you're sleeping on this. You're sleeping on the job. Everyone else is sacking a manager and bringing someone in. And we sack ours and, and, and then you just employ someone from within and hope for the best. And, and that is, that is the, the feel there at the moment. And, and if that transmits to the dressing room, then, then they've got problems, haven't they? So they've got a decision here because Wayne Brown was doing okay. It's not going so well now. 
have they left it too late to bring in someone decent that can that can turn it around or or are they going to plow on really interesting but they certainly need to get their home form going they've not won there uh, since late november and um yeah they're, they're very low on morale at the moment totally different to oldham then Aaron because they're in terrific form and, and they've got experience recently of going to a relegation rival and winning having done so at Scunthorpe earlier this month coming off the back of a, an excellent home win against Bradford and, and all of a sudden from, from looking doomed a, a couple of weeks ago they look capable of saving themselves Yeah definitely the the run that they've, they've give, you know they've gone on has been brilliant you know, they've won three out of their last five games and that has all all of a sudden just transformed the whole mood in and around Oldham. And now they'll be looking at, they'll, they'll now be eyeing Colchester and saying, right, let's beat Colchester. We'll go above them. I don't see Barrow beating Harrogate, so they could almost leapfrog the both of them. And then they're looking at, at the teams above them now, as opposed to, to looking at, at the likes of Carlisle and, and, and Scunthorpe to, to overtake them. So... They've given themselves a, a really, really good good platform to build from. And listen, when you're winning games, it breeds the confidence. And they've, they've got that confidence at the moment. It's just making sure that you keep that. And there'll be no better place to keep it than beating beating one of your, your rivals in Colchester. Oh, big game this. Massive, Matt, I think. And uh, yeah, I don't... I don't think it's going to be a classic, do you? I think it might be, it might be a bit tense. Yeah. <laughs> goal either way, the, yeah. The thing is, Oldham scoring goals. Oldham, you know, they've, they've just they put two against uh, against Bradford, three against Newport, even though they didn't win the game. But you know, they're scoring goals. So as long as they keep scoring goals, Colchester leak plenty of goals and don't score many. So I I can see this. I can see Oldham coming through this game comfortably with the momentum that they've got. And I think Colchester are plunging deeply, deeply into trouble. And I wouldn't be surprised to to see a change there at, at some point. Well, let's see if what we think is reflected in the odds. Producer Abby's going to join us now and uh, tell us the odds on those games, courtesy of our friends at Paddy Power, please. Yeah, Matt, let's begin in the championship then and uh, Peterborough versus Hull. The Grant McCann derby, the Aaron McLean derby, and it is Peterborough, who are the very slightest of favourites in this one. They are 6-4 to four with Hull 13-8 to eight, and the draw coming in at 12-10. to 10. We go now to the Varsity Derby, as uh, it shall henceforth never be known. Uh, Oxford, the very hefty favourites, eight to fifteen. Cambridge, four to one, and in fact, the draw is more likely than the Cambridge win at three to one. And then finally, our relegation battle royale between Colu and Oldham, and it is Colu who are the favourites, despite the fact that, as Aaron points out, Oldham are the ones scoring the goals right now. Uh, Colu eleven to ten, Oldham twelve to five. And the draw, 23-10. to 10. So again, the draw, slightly more favourable than uh, an Oldham win. If you fancy that draw, if you fancy it not being too much between the two, and a goalless draw is 7-1, to one, uh, a home win of 1-0 is 6-1, to one, and or an away win of 1-0 uh, is 17-2. to two. There you go. Those are your odds. Thanks, Abby. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's apply and when the fun stops. Stop. Uh, Right, before we go, Abby uh, is after my heart because she has set up a quiz based on Aaron and Adrian's career. It's the one we like to dip in occasionally, uh, courtesy (laughs) more often than not 
of soccer base. So one question each. Aaron, you can go first. Tuesday, 15th of January, 2008. I'm sure you remember it well. You got a hat trick as Posh beat Accrington 8-2. Uh, who else scored a hat trick that day? Was it Craig McCall-Smith? Oh, you're close. He got two. George it, Boyd. It was George Boyd, the other yeah, of that magnificent of triumvirate. Yes, yes, remember it well. Um, Don't get what? anything for hitting the post, Aaron. Yeah, no. Well, as long as you put the rebound in, you do. <laughs> how, how, how great of a time of that was that in your career, by the way? Because I... Um, I actually worked on the on the double DVD back to back posh style. It was scored. Uh, it was called from from when you won those successive promotions uh, in that period. You must have loved that with Boyd just behind you and you and Mikael Smith up front. You all scored pretty much every week. Yeah, that was definitely for me the most enjoyable period of my career. Um, just playing the the teams that we played in. You know, not just myself and and Craig and George. But the whole team was was brilliant, you know. They we really played attacking an attacking style. People still do it now to a degree, but we played such an attacking style that we were confident that no matter what game, no matter who we came up against, we were going to outscore them. And we'd always concede, but we knew that we had the firepower to be able to go and and really batter teams. And I think that same maybe a, a few weeks later, we went and beat Brentford. 7-0 at home we beat someone else 5 we were just scoring so many goals and for me obviously it was great because you know I was getting hat tricks and, and braces all over the place and, and ended up getting getting the golden boot at the end of that season so yeah brilliant brilliant times and I really really enjoyed that, that period excellent stuff um, Adrian here's your question this is not quite in the same vein as Aaron's, where I get to remind him of all the brilliant success he had <laughs> in his career and with that beautiful team. Uh, Saturday, 28th of Feb, 1998. South End lost 1-0 at Bristol City. You were a part of it. One of your teammates got sent off that day. Who was it? Bristol City. Um, uh, Abby's written it like this, and I thought this was cruel on you, so, so I didn't read it, but it might help you. Which of your more well-known players got sent off that day? <laughs> uh, yeah, Bristol City, yeah, it was always a hard game. I think, you know, I think it might have been... Well, the two well-known ones that, from that team were, were Kev Mayer and Nathan Jones. Kev never got sent off. Kev, Kev was a goody two shoes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think it might have been Nathan. Nathan Jones got sent off. Absolutely right. He <laughs> <laughs> won that by a goal Get to nil. That's a rare, that's a rare, was... That is a rare yeah. correct answer, Aaron, let me tell you. <laughs> um, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you had a nice time. It's been great. We'll have you back on again soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Clarky, pleasure as always. Nice one, mate. Many thanks to Abby too, and to you for listening as well. We'll be back on Monday when, I don't know, we might be rounding up the weekend's games. We might be talking about another 15 managerial changes. We'll wait and see. That is the joy, the beauty of the English Football League. Have a great weekend, whatever you do. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. 
Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.